2: Every year, villages across the country are pitted against each other for any number of honours and awards, which has the best pub, the best cricket team, which is the best
1: kept village. In Kent, that's a title which could easily be shared by a number of contenders. Among them is Pluckley, the setting for the television series about life in idyllic rural
2: England, the Darling Buds of May. But as well as vying for the best kept village title, Pluckley lays claim to a more dubious honour. Pluckley made it into the Guinness Book of Records thanks to its extraordinary collection of ghost
1: stories.
3: It's
1: actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a
0: 24 mile long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster.
3: Monster talk.
0: Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Karen Stolzno. And
2: I'm Blake Smith. As you heard in the introduction, the village of Pluckley is famous for its ghosts. In today's episode, we'll be talking with skeptical ghost hunter Haley Stevens about the little village which claims to be the most haunted in England. Haley previously joined us back in episode 36 to talk about an alleged lake monster called Bonessie. Links to her work will be in our show notes at monstertalk.org. Look for episode number 130. Is Pluckley really the most haunted village in England? Be sure to stay through to the end to get an update on that question, one that I found a bit surprising.
3: Monster dog.
2: No worries. So last time I think we were doing uh, tire puns uh, and talking about light Oh, uh, yes. Right. So uh, yes. this time it's ghost puns as the theme.
0: Uh, yeah, so. yeah we, we had an email a couple of weeks ago now from uh, a listener, uh, Paula Potenza. And she requested this particular topic that we're going to talk about today. And, um, uh, so yeah, Pluckley Village Ghosts. Um, she was interested in that. And, and that's something that, uh, it's a topic I've been interested in since I was a kid. I had, I think we've talked about Usborne books before, the supernatural series of books. Is, it, is that how it's pronounced?
2: I, I've been I'm saying not sure. Osborne. It could, I, so I don't
0: uh, Could be Osborne. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter, but, no, um, sorry. I, and there was a two-page spread on Pluckley Village and all of the alleged ghosts. And so uh, it, ever since reading that, I've always wanted to, uh, well, and since doing the show, I've wanted to do an episode on this topic. So we're really excited about this.
2: That's so cool. I didn't even know that. I, I, I've i got that book over there on my bookshelf. I'm, I, I should go pull that up uh, to prepare for this. Interview retroactively.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you know how we've we've talked about the stories that scare the crap out of you as a kid. Absolutely. And, yeah. This was one of those ones for me, and I guess it's not just one story. There are uh, believed to be about up to sixteen ghosts, or even more, yeah. climbing still. Oh, now, I
3: think. Yeah, but they've they've definitely got some more contemporary ones that have kind of been added into that. Because I think when I went into the world records, there were twelve, possibly up to sixteen, and and I think yeah. since then it's it's grown. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's
2: cool though. To keep the freshest ghost is is really important.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the place where modern ghosts go. You know, <laughs> well, some fade over time, don't they? That's one theory that they, yeah, yeah, the recordings of them play out and and then they fade and eventually disappear. So we need new ghosts.
3: Yeah, and there's actually, there is a story in Pluckley of um, this soldier who was apparently um, hanged from a tree and he haunted the woodlands and then the woodlands got flattened and the tree's gone and now his ghost has gone. Oh. So I think ah. there's an attachment theory there as well. Kind of, oh, know, well.
2: There is a whole folklore about how to get rid of a ghost, but I, I'd never heard uh, putting up a parking lot as being a... <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> 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 one of the
2: ways to cure it.
0: <laughs> well, if they can walk through walls, uh, if you remodel a house, then they, he should be able to just appear through the yeah. the asphalt. Yeah, you would think
2: <laughs> so,
3: yeah. Unless you really, really like the tree, and now it's been turned into like a chair or something, and now he's haunting the house, the chairs. <laughs> yeah, he moved on.
2: Oh wow! Yeah. What if they made paper from it, and all the paper was... Ho- anyway, so
3: oh. right? <laughs> you just visit <laughs> different libraries all sure. across the
2: world. <laughs> it's, it's it's out there, but very diluted. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you believe that you are diluted, I mean diluted. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, I I'm being cheeky. I apologize. I'm I'm really like on my sixth cup of coffee this afternoon. <laughs> Uh, um, Jobs. <laughs> so. uh, we,
0: we've I had sh- Haley on the show before. Exactly. And, um, I was
2: going to say though, but we probably should have her do an introduction because although yeah, we both know her as a colleague in this field mm-hmm. of uh, what would we call it, spooky research, paranormal research. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, would you like to introduce yeah. yourself, Haley? Now that we've talked for ten minutes. <laughs>
3: yeah. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Haley Stevens. I write a blog called. Hayley is a ghost. Um, I There's a podcast called The Spooktator that I host where we talk about weird topics and weird news stories and so on. And I've been a paranormal researcher or I don't know, skeptic researcher, however you want to phrase it, Um, since about 2005. Well, in 2005, I was a ghost hunter. Then in 2007, I became a non-believer and a skeptic. And um most people at that point when they stop believing in ghosts will just stop investigating them. But I've always been fascinated with with ghosts and weird stuff so I just carried on. Um I was on the show before talking about lake monsters. Um yeah, I'm just really into spooky strange stories. And where I live in England I live in the county of Wiltshire and it's called Weird Wiltshire because well not officially, but it's nicknamed Weird <coughs> Wiltshire because of the amount of folklore um and just Bizarre stories associated with this county So I've kind of grown up here And here I am all these years later
2: I'm jealous I, I should start calling it Creepy Kennesaw Or something
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I think most of England Is uh, reputed to be haunted, isn't it now? It is
3: We've pretty much got ghosts everywhere um, If not ghosts, then probably Some kind of monster
2: Well, it makes there. sense I mean, there's a lot of people were killed there
3: <laughs> yep <laughs> that's also true that's that's a fact <laughs>
2: that's terrible so so where is pluckley
3: pluckley is in kent which is in the south of england
2: hmm. so is, yeah. like, is it like east of
3: london
0: it's to the southeast and Pluckley is just a little village of a very small population, isn't it? I don't know how many people are there. Do you have any idea? I don't know about the population, but I know that it is really tiny. In that you can
3: stand in the middle of the actual village and do a three sixty and on the spot, and you just see the entire village. Um, wow. So it's got it's got like a pub and a shop and you know, maybe one other business there. And um, but then. Around that, it's surrounded by farms and farmland, and then you've got more remote businesses. So there, um, there's like a mill building. It used to be a mill building. Um, There's also um, another building, which I think used to be some kind of, uh, I don't know if it was um, like a blacksmith or something, and it's now a tea rooms. So you've kind of got those remote businesses on the land, but the village itself is extremely small.
0: Wow. So, so it's just one of those uh, little places where people are born there and don't leave and spend their entire lives there, and no one really ever moves there. I don't know. I guess so. I, I mean, most people. Uh, well, when
3: you research Pluckley and when you invited me on the show, I did start getting out the the old ghost hunts um, books and like the Peter Underwood books and so on, where they have all the old British ghost stories. And in some of the books uh, and indeed on some of the websites that talk about the ghosts of Pluckley, they sometimes refer to it as a hamlet because it's that small. So there is some debate about whether it's a village or a hamlet. And I suspect that a lot of the people that live there probably have, you know, generations of their family who have resided in Buckley. Um I grew up in the British countryside, though, in a village um, which is called Hilperton. And um, that was the same, you know, generations of the same family would live um, in the same village. And you could trace our family history back through that village. Um, but then... It kind of modernized a lot, so a lot of people did move into the village and it got expanded, so they they built on some of the fields. So now the village I grew up in, which used to be quite remote, is now part of the, pretty much part of the town next to it. So I've never been to Pluckley, mainly because if I ever did go to Pluckley it would be because of the ghost, and I know that kind of annoys a lot of people that live there, so I stay away. Um, But I suspect it could be the same that there is this core of residents there who have whose families are rooted there, plus Mm -hmm. people who've moved in because it it sounds like a very attractive place. You know, it's very remote and quiet.
2: It looks very nice. I I, I would imagine if you're living in a haunted Hamlet, you have to decide whether you want to flee or not to flee. It's really tricky.
0: (laughs) 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 It it does. You smell a pun coming when she's in Hamlet.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, oh, wow, okay, I just got that. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Um, But the thing with Pluckley is that it's, relatively untouched and that's attracted quite a lot of um films and tv shows and there's oh, a really popular darling Bridges- of may yes i used to watch that when i was a kid and i had no idea until i was researching for this show that it was filmed in puckley and it's because yeah. it's basically like taking a step back in time if you took away like the modern cars and the tv aerials you probably wouldn't be able to place a year on where you were because, you know, they've got the old-fashioned windows and the original features and, and the buildings are relatively untouched. So I suspect as well that probably lends an air of, creep not creepiness as such, but definitely kind of adds to the atmosphere when it comes to thinking about the ghost stories and the legacy there.
0: It, that it, it must does, be
2: haunted. Yeah, a, a lot of the photos <laughs> reminds me of a Hammer film. I mean, a lot of them that I see online. But, I mean, I don't know that they're necessarily intentionally trying to be creepy, but it does have a sort of a 1950s feel. Uh,
3: yeah, and I suspect that's po- possibly, I guess. I mean, when you think about the, the small communities in these villages and the folklore associated with them, um, a lot of that probably inspired the stories that would have inspired the Hammer films, so that a lot of traditional ghost stories are based in these sorts of communities, and with Pluckley, it's one that's not really changed very much at all.
2: That's neat. Um, do you feel like uh, talking about some of the more famous ghosts uh, that are alleged uh, to be yeah. There?
3: Yeah.
2: there? There are absolutely loads of ghosts in
3: Pluckley. Allegedly. Uh, but... uh, yeah, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, I I learned about Pluck, like you, you you mentioned you were reading a book when you were a child and you came across pluckley it was the same for me um when I grew up I read the books by Peter Underwood and so on and there was also an episode of Strange but True um mm-hmm. and I I kind of remembered I, I was I thought that I remembered seeing it on Strange but True and I actually found the episode on YouTube I don't know if you guys have watched it yes. um and they talk about there about how a lot of the ghosts seem to come from one family which is the Daring family and uh, they moved in during the civil war and it it almost feels as though their ghosts are everywhere in pluckley <laughs> and they just they haven't left they kind of left left their ghostly legacy
0: behind as well as the, the historic legacy too so isn't there the the white lady and the red lady and they're both meant to be lady darings
3: i think yeah i think it really depends on which sources you read but um I think there are even claims that there are two white ladies. So some people say that the white lady haunts two different places, or that that it's two separate ghosts. Um, but the one of the white ladies um, haunts the churchyard where she is buried. And again, I think this lends a voice a bit to the to the folklore aspect of these stories, in that it really depends on which source you go from um there are different claims about the ghost so one of the claims that's made about the white lady is that she yeah she's one of the daring family and um she died quite young and apparently she was extremely beautiful and her husband was heartbroken and he didn't want he couldn't face the idea of her body decomposing and you know so they sealed her body into an airtight coffin and then put that inside another airtight coffin. And then depending on where you read, there's another coffin and another coffin. So that's the another coffin.
0: One sort, Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And there's another one that says there are three coffins. And then an oak tomb. Um. So uh, yeah. But and apparently she is seen walking through the churchyard. Um. And she was buried with a rose. Um. I guess Snow White. Like like Snow White. Like to her chest. And she's seen walking with the rose in her hands. Um. Around the churchyard. And then um, the Daring Manor, that, which they were awarded or given by um, King Charles II for their efforts during the war, um, there's a white lady that said to Rome there too. And between the two wars, it was used um, as a U.S. embassy. And there was a guy who was there who worked at the embassy. who held um, He held a vigil there. Uh, apparently, one Christmas Eve, and he had his gun out because, you know, if you're going to go looking for ghosts, having a gun is really useful. <laughs> and he, he allegedly saw the white lady appear before him, and he shot her. And, of course, it, the bullet went through her, and she vanished through a, paned, a panelled wall. And I read this story on um, a ghost website. that I'd, I'd never heard this story before. And it's alleged that the panelled wall that she went through might have led to a tunnel, which had a supposed link to the uh, to the church, so there was a link between the house and the church, and it's all very mysterious. And it, you know, could have been, and maybe it was. Now, there's also another phantom at the churchyard called the Red Lady, who is also a daring. And the story associated with her is that she is searching for her lost baby, and she's been seen in the church. I think she's been seen outside the church, but she's also been seen inside the church. And uh, people report hearing uh, knocking noises and bangs and flashes of light in the, the stained glass windows that border around. So people will be outside of the church and, and they'll see strange flash, uh, flashes of light coming from within the church through the windows.
0: I think that story is a lot like the hitchhiker urban legends that you hear. I can't tell you how many times I've come across stories of women supposedly haunting cemeteries and churches and other places looking for a child, a stillborn child or a baby. Uh, You hear that one a lot. Absolutely.
2: It's it's probably worth mentioning that. Ghost stories involving lights in windows and lights in graveyards are, are, are so easy to actually replicate. I mean, the light hitting windows and light hitting uh, you know white marble tombstones at night—you can get light sources from weird places, and it creates really creepy effects, especially if you're expecting a ghost. Um, that doesn't mean oh, yeah, that from... that explains anything here. I just I just find it fascinating because uh, it comes up again and again in, in, in the kind of research we do.
3: In the Strange But True episode that talks about um, Pluckley, they interviewed the current reverend of the church. And the previous reverend, he was convinced that there were ghosts everywhere and he was doing um, exorcisms and so on to get rid of the, the spirits, which apparently didn't work. Um, and the current reverend, or well, I say current, at the time that Strange But True was aired, he was the current reverend. And his name was Michael Higgs, and he was a skeptic. And uh, he said to the camera, and I've written it down here, There were one or two rumours before the war, but after the war it seemed to take off. I suspect it had some to do with the tourist trade. I accept that some people have seen something strange, but what is it? I think it's wrong to jump to conclusions. One should have a more analytical approach to why you've seen something and what it could be, which I was really impressed with And then he said, the only ghost who exists in this church is the Holy Ghost. Oh, damn, you were doing so well. (laughs) But yeah, I think... I think he's he's also you know saying kind of the same thing as you, Blake, that there are just so many alternative options for for why pe- people are seeing weird lights in a in a church, but also why people are hearing knocking noises in a relatively old church. I mean, it's just I think it's just part of the building, really.
0: I think it's interesting that these stories flourished after World War II and I'm trying to one, trying to understand why that's the case and I'm wondering if it's because of the, the devastation of the war and people losing so many people, uh, that there was a a hope that there was a, there's life beyond death and, um, maybe that's why there was an increase in the belief of ghosts and, uh, an afterlife. I think so,
2: after World War One, it certainly boosted spiritualism
0: it did it did, and after World War
3: two, what we found was when you look at polls of um public opinions and attitudes towards paranormal ideas, you see um a rise in in the belief in the afterlife and ghosts or however people want to term it and more recently, I think there were polls done in two thousand and five and then I think around two thousand fifteen that kind of asked the same questions and it showed that there had been a sort of rise very recently in paranormal belief. But, you know, I don't think that there has been a drop since World War II. I think it's probably just more acceptable now for people to talk openly about believing in ghosts, about being thought of as, as weird. But I think after World War II and after World War One, definitely, there was a huge surge in the amount of people who turned to spiritualism or at least spiritual ideas about an afterlife just because of the grief and the devastation they, they had faced and also i think there's a role to play in the shift in religious attitudes so very traditionally in in the uk and elsewhere in the world of course but in the uk our ancestors i mean my mum has ancestors um in lancashire um and you know back then if you didn't go to church and you didn't pray for your soul you were potentially a witch and um and when my mum grew up, there were people who were hanged for witchcraft, uh, the Pendle witches. My mum grew up in the crest of the Pend um, the hill, the Pendle Hill, uh, where the witches were said to to do their magic and so on. And so there was this big shift from suddenly being afraid of the spirits to actually accepting them. And I think that probably had a lot to do with why these stories were suddenly kind of embraced in a way and almost promoted. But at the same time, I think there's also an element of the tourist trade, so you know there is definitely a penny pretty penny that could be made from having ghosts and I suspect i I'm not this sounds quite cynical, but I suspect that people who maybe had a newfound belief in ghosts and were talking about the kind of the ghost folklore of their area realized that it could attract people into the area and from my understanding, that has always split the people of. Um, because some people want to embrace it and other people see it as something of a nuisance, really.
2: Yeah, just to give context, though, when you're talking about witches being hung, this was not recent, right? This, was,
3: no, no. this is... No, no. It's
2: a step back. Um, I, just, I don't want people to get a, the wrong idea about England. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Maybe a couple hundred years ago? <laughs> it was in the 1600s. I know that I couldn't give you an exact year. I know it was definitely the 1600s and... Um, Yeah, and people were extremely superstitious back then. And so the Pendle Witches was quite an infamous trial in the UK. There were others too. And obviously today, elsewhere in the world, people are still persecuted as witches and so on. Um, But this was back in the the 1600s. And I think, you know, in um, later years, there was definitely a shift. But back then, um, people were extremely suspicious of anybody who who was a bit of an outsider, really. So everybody was a bit scared of of the spirits around them. So there definitely were folklore stories, because obviously that's how, you know, traditionally stories and information was passed on, uh, between communities and generations of families. Um But there was definitely a different attitude to them back then. Back then it was something to be feared. And then I think the country suffered such devastation during the World Wars that, they actually became almost sources of hope that maybe if these ghosts still wander in our village all these years later, there there is something more to life, and you know people who died in the war
0: could still be around somewhere. It's all quite sad, really. Sure, absolutely. But it, yeah, it definitely sounds plausible as a, a theory. And I was just wondering, in all of the research that you were doing, uh, did you come across a TV show called Haunted Finders? Oh my gosh!
3: Wow! Yes, I did. That was absolutely oh, yeah. terrible. Uh, they they but- have a um, they have a reputation. Let's just say that, and I don't want to kind of slander anybody on your show. That would be extremely rude of me. But let's just say that
0: their shows are questionable. Let's just. <laughs> I would agree with you there, and uh, the reason that I was raising it, uh, I was watching it uh, last night and just hoping that there might be some uh, interesting information about the history of Pluckley and the folklore of Pluckley, but no, it was all about the stakeout and all about recording EVPs and all that sort of stuff. But It's uh, incredible. It's absolutely incredible for all the wrong reasons. And yeah.
3: Yes, I, um, yeah. I've seen, basically, in in the UK in very recent years, we've had all sorts of weird folklore stories emerging like but, but contemporary folklore so we've had a surge in people seeing black-eyed kids people reporting slender man in the uk which is just really weird and these and it really fascinates me so i've been blogging about it and researching it and we've spoken about it on the spooktator and so on and these guys always pop up so wherever there's some kind of headline news going on there they are like in the woods with their night vision cameras and they're a ghost box, um, which does, yeah. I, I think it, it does like direct voice communication rather than you record it and have to play it back. Um, but yeah, it's all very is the, silly.
2: Are they used, There's several different models of those. Like there's the oh, one yeah. that's basically a, 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 a randomly tuned radio. The
0: Frank Boxson. The,
2: yeah. Ghost there's another box. one that's got. Yeah, the one the one that I hate the most I think is the one that randomly selects words.
3: That's the Ovilus. You can also get it on your phone. So when I used to have an iPhone, I had an iOvilus, because there's always an app for that. And um, and yeah, you could just leave your phone running and it would just shout random words at you, which were allegedly from... Well, the idea behind the... Let's just go down this weird rabbit hole. The, the idea behind the Ovilus, it's slightly different from the Ghost Box and the Franks Box, which are kind of the same thing. The Ovilus claims that Basically, it detects different levels of electromagnetic fields, and (laughs) these electro different levels of electromagnetic fields all connect to certain words in the database on these devices. And so, if the if the (laughs) the EMF rises slightly, it means a different word, and then the device records the EMF and then it triggers the word that's associated with those different readings and and that's why these random words get thrown out.
2: But if that were true <laughs> would you be able to reliably provide the same kind of EMF input and would you expect to get roughly the same words back out the other end? I just that sounds suspicious <laughs> to me it seems like yeah. throwing a random generator in there would be a lot easier than trying to tune it to some sort of EMF detector.
3: That's very skeptical of you, Blake, I have to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, can't you just accept that these words are what the ghost is trying to say? I mean, come mm. on, obviously.
0: I,
2: I, of course, I can accept it and <laughs> <don't> still believe it.
0: <laughs> the ovulus, my husband always says it sounds like a birth control pill or something. It does, <laughs> it does it, yeah. It does,
3: it, absolutely.
0: No. On this uh, this episode of, of Haunted Finders, um, they had recorded, just used a little recording tool, and uh, they had an EVP saying yes, yes. So if you saw that, you, you would have, you'd know what I'm talking about. But it sounded uh, much too clear. It sounded to me like it was uh, a prank.
3: Well, let's oh, just say uh, that it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Pranks box.
0: Pranks box, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, there's definitely a good
0: chance that that's what it was. Well, I thought what was uh, particularly interesting and the, the reason I actually brought them up is that they wanted to do a stakeout in the woods, the uh, the, the Screaming Woods. I think, I guess we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the main character, I don't remember his name, but he said, we just can't do that because there are so many ghost hunters out here, so many tourists and visitors that uh, it's just too noisy. So we're not going to have the silence that we need for an investigation. So uh, I just thought that that's interesting. So even though we were talking about uh, people not really moving to Pluckley, it's the kind of place you're born into, it seems like there are a lot of tourists who go there. There are. Ghost hunters.
3: Yeah, and it's not just your – because back when I first got involved in ghost hunting, it was pretty much just a case of, you know, maybe you'd have one or two teams in in the county and we would just go to places – um Maybe on a Friday or a Saturday when we all had the day off of work and and nowhere really charged the only places that charged were places that had been on most haunted and at that point, most haunted had only had about two or three seasons. So it wasn't that many locations, so you know, but now you. There are so many events in the. I don't know if it's the same in the U.S., but in the U.K., it seems as though ghost hunting events are popping up everywhere. There's one not very far from my home in a place that I had no idea was meant to be haunted, and I, I like to think that I'm the sort of ghost geek who would know. <laughs> like I know all the local haunts, um, and I mean literal haunts, and that's never come onto my radar. So these these events just crop up everywhere, and pluckly. Is one of the most popular ones. So there is an event later this year. I, I had a quick search on um, on Twitter. Sorry before we we started talking, and I just put Pluckley in, and it came up with all of these tweets from ghost hunting event companies who've got events. And it seems as though there are pretty much events going on there every month, possibly even every weekend. And you know it, it wow. can start like uh, there's one that I saw where you pay fifty pounds and you go to. Um, the black horse Inn, which is the pub in in the village and then you in the evening you go out into the screaming woods um and can you i can't just i can't imagine living in such a a beautiful little village and just knowing that every weekend there are these groups of people just wandering around your village and you have no idea what they're doing or what they're getting up to i I can just imagine how annoying yeah very good for business but also quite annoying i would imagine mm -hmm.
2: yeah yeah, I, I guess I don't know how much it comes into like property issues and strangers wandering around your farm or whatever. But the, uh you know, like places like Sedona, Arizona, have completely embraced that sort of not based in reality, but boost tourism kind of approaches. So is Roswell, New Mexico, although Roswell's a really big town. Yeah. Um, but. And, and as, uh, by the way, there's some, uh, like, Goddard did his rocket test. So there's legitimately interesting, like, <laughs> not that UFOs aren't interesting, but I'm just saying there's actual interesting American history that's happened besides just the UFO stuff. Right. Um, I, I'm curious though, because a lot of these ghosts, when I'm, I'm just reading the uh, description of the, the encounters, they sound much more like urban legends or mm. just folklore than specific cases, right? Yeah, well, there are some names, you know, like yeah. the
0: Darings, there are, some ghosts that seem to have actual names, but, yeah, a lot of them are, like, urban legends.
2: Yeah, I thought maybe we should talk about that a little bit, how to distinguish between an urban legend and a... Like, for example, uh I noticed that they seem to be color-coded a lot, these, these legendary ghosts, the Red Lady, the White Lady, the Grey Lady.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: I don't know why that is. It's like there's a Crayola box of ghosts out there, but uh, I I haven't seen purple, but I I bet if I Googled it, there probably is one of them as well. But
3: Uh, Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's a blue boy at Applehampton Hall here in the UK, and there's also a green lady, and Longleat House, which is in Wiltshire, on the Longleat Estate here in Warminster, um, they have a grey lady, and grey ladies are just everywhere in the UK. you got the brown lady as well? the brown lady of course yeah the, um, why
2: can't they stick to Roy G. Biv they've got to go off into this gray scale. <laughs>
3: where's the orange lady <laughs> damn it um,
0: <laughs> it's like,
3: almost like a, a collection card thing you just have to collect all the different colors of the ghosts, and then they all level up or something <laughs> 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 um, but there is one theory that ghosts of different colors um, indicate the like the strength of the ghost in the they, they fade over time, and then they go away.
2: Ob- Are you suggesting there's a spectral spectrum? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, there's the name of this episode. <laughs>
3: I'll,
0: I'll write that down. But <laughs>
3: I'm not saying it's true, obviously, um, but I have heard that mentioned, and I've also heard it mentioned, I think I was told this when I was still a fledgling ghost hunter, the, the colours of a ghost indicated its mood. But I was also told that about orbs and photographs. So if you get a pink orb it's meant to be happy and a green orb means that it's at peace and so on.
0: So yeah, I one of those mood rings.
3: Yes. Yeah, exactly. It does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um I don't know if there's any truth in that. Um though the book um, by Owen Davies called The Haunted. I don't know if you guys have read that. It's a really good book. And in there he mentions how white ladies the the circumstances in which they were often reported kind of had like a crossover with fairy folklore. So they were often reported around water um, and they were quite ethereal beings and so he he kind of pointed out that there was that kind of crossover between those two types of of folkloric um, stories but, yeah, I really don't know the actual purpose of the different colored
0: ghosts. Um,
3: just, yeah. and Yeah, I think
0: it's kind of become a tradition now, really, and it sounds uh, plausible to people who believe in ghosts, that, oh, there's a white lady, there's a red lady. It just sounds familiar and like a stereotype for ghosts.
3: Uh, ghosts definitely do have stereotypes as well, because whenever you hear about the grey lady or the white lady or the, the red lady, they're always melancholy and very sad. A mournful, and they're looking for their lost love or their lost mm-hmm. child. There's never a happy grey lady that I that I've heard of. Maybe there is one that I'm overlooking, but it it always seems as though the women ghosts are are searching for something, whereas the men, the male ghosts, tend to be reliving something dramatic, or they're angry and violent. And they're going to throw something at you, and they stomp around the house and so on, and you hear their boots on the wooden floorboards. So I I have found that. Kind of when people report seeing ghosts, it, sometimes when it has a tie to folklore and you can trace it back through the folklore of the area, you do find that there are these these huge stereotypes of ghosts, and it's, it's really creepy in a way that we kind of stereotype
0: our dead people. Mm-hmm. But Those are some really good points. And I do love some of the names of these haunted parts of Pluckley, though. They're just very... Yeah, weird is this right corner, corner. <laughs> Amazing Screaming woods and they just Sound haunted And there's a place called Devil's Bush
3: as well And this Devil's Bush, uh, they don't know where it is Or at least the, the books and the, and the Websites I read don't know where this Devil's Bush Is but apparently if you dance Around it either 13 times Or 3 times The Devil appears and will grant you A wish, which oh, sounds a little bit like Aladdin but who am I to Point
0: that out you know. yeah or going to Marie Lavo's well, yeah.
2: tomb <laughs> Yeah, yeah that was gonna say that these the folklore ghosts um, to me seem to pick up these uh, uh, particular acts that you can perform to, to generate the ghost right so you know if you if you stand on a certain bridge at a certain time yes. you'll see this or if you go to a certain point you'll see these lights. We have a local legend here, uh, near my house where there's a, a, a statue and they believe if you go exactly at midnight and say certain words <laughs> that the statue will come to life and speak to you and answer questions. Yeah. Um, so far, no, but you know, we can keep trying, <laughs> but, but I mean, that ostension factor, uh, you know, to get people to come out and actually try to, you know, reproduce this, uh, ties really nicely into the tourism business. Legend
0: yeah. tripping. And also, it,
2: yeah, but, but it's, it also, um, It's like it gives it uh, a little more uh, verisimilitude or something where you could say, no, no, it's true, and here's all you have to do to see it for yourself. Yeah, and
3: if you go there and you do it and you don't see it, it's because you're closed-minded and you just need to open open your mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: and find us on instagram tiktok and twitter at chinwagpod and wagon
2: well that was oh i, I wish i had known that That would explain that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of bridges isn't there a uh, another ghost there called the watercress woman or watercress lady or something you heard about that one <sighs>
3: No, I haven't heard about that one. I've heard about um, there's a, uh, a traveler who allegedly was drowned or drowned in in the river or a pond, but I haven't heard of the watercress ghost. No. Okay, I, I just
2: I, I read about that. You one. did, uh, wait, but I think that may be the same as the the they said because one of the, sometimes they said gypsy. And th- by the way, I'm not even sure if gypsy's like. A, a, a fair, I think people want to say, is it Romany? Yeah, or, I think
0: it's derogatory that, like, nowadays.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't mean it to be derogatory, but that's what the legends were calling her. Yeah. But but yeah, that she sold watercress as as, as Oh, a okay,
0: living. I see. And she well, drank a lot of gin, uh, apparently.
2: Yeah, well as one does as one does. I mean when you're holding yep. the watercress business is very stressful <laughs> and it, it, t- it does tend to promote drinking. There's so. just so
3: much competition uh. these days. <laughs> <laughs> but I there were also um accounts of her story where she she
0: fell asleep smoking her pipe and burned to death. Um Mm. No, yeah, it, it sounds like it, a crossover of, of stories thing, because that's a newer one. Yeah. That one's not in all the books I read when I was a kid, so it could be no, one of the exactly. newer it's stories. No, exactly. Um,
3: it's not in the Peter Underwood books, so I don't believe it. Yeah, well, there <laughs> you go.
0: It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if Underwood didn't
3: say it, then it's not true. But um, I know there's a website, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but on there they spoke about her, her falling asleep with a pipe. Um, mm. But again, you know, and what you mentioned as well, Blake, about you know knocking on a, a door three times or standing somewhere at midnight to see a ghost um it it kind of draws people in now, but at, at one point, I suspect it was actually a warning, you know, don't go out of your house after midnight because that's when the ghosts come out. I know that um, oh, could be I know that when I first got into ghost hunting back in. 2005, around then, we were always told to stop ghost hunting at three o'clock, because that was when the demons could come through any portals that you had opened, and um, apparently that, I didn't know at the time, but that biblical um, references, because the number three is Holy Trinity. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, the the cock crow three times, and so on and so forth, but but yeah, like it...
2: Yeah, they uh, actually, Paranormal states. that's when they always did their seances type things, or their... Um that, and they were that that show was very heavily influenced by uh, Catholicism. Mm, oh. I think, because Ryan. Okay. So
3: they kind of they What's went so. for it. What badass is?
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: well, they they do talk. I believe it's in the pilot episode or the first episode they talk about the uh, their reasoning behind that, but it, it does tie into uh, Christianity and um, some of the themes there. Which so, one's um, state which one? Yeah. Is that like who? That's uh. It was from um. It, it was on. I think A and E. It was um. It's from uh. They were in Pennsylvania State University and they were a ghost hunting club on campus and they got a TV show deal. Ryan Bailey. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Was,
3: okay. Yeah. yeah. I cannot remember
2: if kind of young, you know, college age kids yeah. going out and doing these investigations and poor Ryan is uh, <laughs> yeah. uh falling on hard times. Yeah. So, um yeah, he seems like his life is having some problems. Mm-hmm. But uh I kind of hate, it had chip coffee on it as well and um well, I don't know Chip personally. I'm sure he's a delightful person to hang out with, but he—I uh, don't care for the way he uh, exploited children yes.
3: uh, in my opinion yeah.
2: for his uh, "Children of the Paranormal" thing. Uh, yes,
3: and, and the yeah. show
2: clearly used fake, you know, incidents uh, to like it clearly sweetened the audio and did uh, you know uh, deceitful cutting and edits. Mm-hmm. And there's some uh, some cases where they uh, people who were there uh, have published pretty brutal takedowns of what actually happened on set compared to how the edited product like came out. Like Fact so. or
0: Faked and most of the other shows.
2: Yeah, even worse than that. I could put some links to that in the show sure. notes. And I shall make a note to do so right now, so <laughs> pardon me for just a second.
3: Well, talking anyway. about, um, you know, ghost hunting television shows, did you know that Most Haunted went to Pluckley and did an episode from there?
0: I um, haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> they did this whole it's, kind it's, of series, which was... They should. Yeah, <laughs> they...
2: I mean, it's The Most Haunted City. The, the right. their show's called Most Haunted. How could they well, not? That's true.
3: <laughs> but, but is it <laughs> the series...
0: Sorry. No, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> I was going to just ask, is it The Most Haunted? Because uh, it seems like there are other potential claimants for that title as well. Blake there are. did some
2: research. Oh, well, let's, well, let's, let's finish the most haunted sure, story. Sure, and sure. We'll, we'll talk about yep. that because that's a really good point. Yeah.
3: Sorry. Most haunted, no, all right. they, <laughs> um, Most haunted went to Pluckley and they had this series in, in their ongoing series called Midsummer Murders, which is a reference to a television show here in the UK called Midsummer Murders, which is based in the place called Midsummer. But, um, they didn't just oh. go to Midsummer. They um, went just to complicate <laughs> it, just to complicate it. But they they called it most haunted Midsummer murders. And the idea was that they were going to these um, idyllic kind of little places and uncovering grisly unsolved murders that had happened there. And they went to Pluckley um, to solve the unsolved murder of a man in the Screaming Woods. And um, this was the ghost story that um, concerns the highwayman who was said to frequent that area. And uh, something to do with a hollow oak tree that he used to hide behind. um, And he would jump out to rob people and then it got a reputation. And some stories say that he was chased down by um, like a local mob, um, like, you know, justice mob and killed others say that um a traveler was warned that when you go past that oak tree you can expect um a nasty surprise and he ran his sword through the tree and killed the highwayman who was here behind it but hmm. i don't think you can ram a sword through a tree um unless it's a really dead tree maybe yeah. that's made of.
2: Powerful magic sword. Yeah, Yeah, good point.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So there are already some holes in this kind of folklore stories, but you know who would have suspected? (laughs) Who would have suspected that? Um, But the most haunted team. They went in and they went into the woodlands, and the medium David Wells picked up on this ghost, um, and then they went back to the i think it's the pub is called the black horse inn and they did a séance there and they picked up on devil worship and witchcraft happening in the attic um, because you know what what's ghost hunting television if there isn't a bit of devil worship
2: yeah um, that's true right? that's true a little bit were there any demons involved because that's really well they too. did
3: an um, they did a Ouija board session in the the black horse inn and they were speaking to the highwayman who got murdered um, whose name was Robert Dubois. And, um, he was spelling out demon on the Ouija board and See? Lucifer. See,
2: I've never even seen it like a horror He also
3: spelled out Lucifer. And then they were like, oh, oh, it's because there used to be devil worship here in the attic. And then one of them got affected and he was like, I'm going to kill you all. And then he had to go out <laughs> of the building to calm down. And, yeah, <laughs> it was
2: quite dramatic. Yeah,
3: it was typical Saturday night for most Hondas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, is there any uh, evidence for this Robert Dubois at all?
2: Did you not just hear her? <laughs> oh,
0: Explain the whole thing. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, he was a demon, Karen. Like. <laughs> but you um, I, I, we were saying earlier that uh, a lot of these characters seem to be faceless and nameless, and, and yet there is some potential evidence for some of these characters like the Derings. Um, so, i yeah. just wondering if there are yes. any that, that might be might have truly existed as characters, as people.
3: Well the the, the claim is that Robert Barr is a real person. Um I haven't looked into any records to see if he is real, but um the the story is that he operated just outside of Pluckley, um and then around Pluckley too. Um and yeah, I, I generally don't know if he is a real person or not. And I think he his ghost is said to haunt different places. So Fight Corner and then the woods. So again, there are different um kind of folklore stories. There's also a crossroads, um, which he his he is said to be um seen at by people. People out walking will see like a shadowy figure with a cloak, sometimes with a horse, um, moving across the crossroads, which are now they're roads, they're normal roads, but it was a crossroads. And of course when it comes to crossroads there are all sorts of ghost stories attached to them because that's where criminals would have been um, put up in cages and it's also where suicides were buried um, nice. outside of consecrated ground and so on. Um,
2: and if you need to become a really great blues guitarist,
3: that's
0: also a <laughs> place to go. <laughs> Absolutely, <So>. yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, there are just so many stories in this village and so little time. Uh, isn't there a, a phantom coach and horses as well? Yeah, and that has a, I mean, I say relatively
3: modern sighting it was a modern sighting when strange but true was filmed and they actually interviewed the eyewitness oh an eyewitness i should say who said that she was traveling home to Puckley or through Puckley one evening after visiting family her husband were in their car and as they they reached a bridge uh, or um i think it was a bridge uh they saw this um coach being drawn by horses coming over the bridge and they gave way to it and as it passed them it had like light inside from i guess from candles or a lantern or something and they just they said they couldn't believe what they had seen but it was very clear what they had seen was a a, a horse drawn carriage um and it has been seen elsewhere in the village um by by numerous people but, you know, the skeptic in me says that could just be a horse-drawn carriage. I mean, there is a horse-drawn carriage that goes through the town that I work in, um on a semi-regular basis. Um so they, they do still exist. Mm-hmm. I don't know why somebody would be out at two o'clock in the morning in one, but, um but there is definitely that. But the thing with, uh, with horse-drawn carriage ghosts, and they, you know, they used to be, they used to be quite a historic ghost sighting, and they kind of, faded out when technology changed and we start to get cars and so a lot of people who would traditionally have seen horse-drawn carriage ghosts they now report seeing um car ghosts and or Hmm. they'll they'll be driving down the road and they feel like they've hit somebody or something and when they get out there's nothing there um so i do think that as society changes our ghosts change too so um you know there's
2: there's that and then a lot of people see, they think they see horses at night, but it turns out to be a nightmare.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> a
0: nightmare. Very nice. Like
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking to myself, why would they be asleep?
0: And then it hit me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then it hits you. I, 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 I'm going to
2: throw out a... a, a actually, this, this is not an apology, but I, I
3: feel like some should, of the
2: criticism it, like that we get on the show sometimes, like for people who give us our, our occasional one-star review, is always you laugh too much and you mock the paranormal. And that's I, and I and I want to make clear that I love ghost stories and I think we, we do, all do. We do. Um, and and we care about like what's real and what. But I think this conflation of folklore and legitimately witnesses, yeah, uh, it, it gets confusing. And I find it amusing at this point. I don't find it terrifying well, anymore. Yeah, I mean, but
0: I think we're pretty moderate, really. If you listen to a lot of well, other yeah. podcasts and speak to a lot of other skeptics, sure, so we, yeah. we have, I think, more respect for folklore and stories.
2: I, I, yeah, I do, do, and and, and I, we do. And I, I just wanted to make the point that while I'm laughing, I'm not mocking the people who say they see stuff I, because people see. We're
0: actually that, mocking you about your puns, but. <laughs> yeah, well, that too, that's what yeah. I was laughing and, and then, at. And then also, <laughs> Me too. I laugh
2: at myself a lot, so. <laughs> no, we, I'm kind of an idiot. And so. Yeah, I think we've
0: said many times <laughs> that we really enjoy the stories, and we also like. Yeah trying to solve them or trying to find explanations Absolutely, for them. Absolutely, right. And I think...
2: So, I, I just wanted to throw that out there because we're laughing a lot and I don't want people to think we yeah, are yeah. So, yeah, for sure laughing at me. That's, but
3: please. I think that with the folklore thing, you know, I think they, they are quaint stories and, and they're really interesting, but they're also from the the perspective of someone who investigates sightings of ghosts and claims about ghosts, they're really important too because they tell us what our ancestors thought of the world around them and how they interpreted stuff. And they they influence what people see today and how people make sense of the world around them. And I think Blake you were saying it's difficult to tell where the folklore ends and The contemporary or the eyewitness accounts, whether they're historical or not, start. And actually, I think there is no clear cut line because I think eyewitness reports of ghosts are so often influenced by the folklore that we grow up with. And if not, if you don't, if if you're not saying, I saw the grey lady, when you see something, you associate it in your mind with the stories that you've heard growing up. So if you photograph something a bit weird at a location that has a grey lady, you're more likely to say, oh, I must have photographed the grey lady. Um, So I think, I don't think there is a distinction between the two. I think we have to ask the questions, uh, what does the folklore do to modern ghost stories? And I think one of the things that happens, and we spoke about the number of ghost hunting groups going um, to pl- into other places that are alleged to be the most haunted places in, in the country, they go overnight and they use really rubbish techniques. They don't do any investigation. They're actually just looking for anomalies that they can chalk up to ghosts. And so what you see happening is the folklore just being reinvented constantly. And so suddenly it's not ghost hunters investigating what eyewitnesses have reported. Um, it's ghost hunters investigating what other ghost hunters have investigated based on what other ghost hunters have experienced and what other ghost hunters have experienced has influenced them. And it's just this really weird cycle where Folklore was kind of like the starting block, and now it's just like this weird kind of, I don't know, it's almost like a, a cycle, and it, it, I don't know, it's, it's really, really strange. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's, a, it's,
2: yeah, it, it's definitely a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's, that's and... what I
3: was looking for, a feedback loop. That was the,
0: the phrase. Was... up in one phrase.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but we've talked about it, too, on the show uh that, that we I talk about the, the sort of echo chamber of paranormal literature that you you get the same stories repeated again and again and again and different writers will throw in their own embellishments. Yeah,
0: like the telephone game.
2: <laughs> exactly, and one of the things that we can as, as skeptical investigators is we can look at if if no new eyewitnesses are coming forward but the stories become more and more detailed. That's a pretty good sign that people are embellishing with fiction. Yeah. Um, that and that that's and that, there, I. From a folklore perspective, that's going to happen anyway. But uh, when you're looking at a, a specific thing about whether this legitimately really happened or not, that it becomes more difficult because sort of uh parsing out what really happened or what was really reported versus what's the uh the uh, embellishments of the author who's oh. relaying the story is, is really challenging. It's funny you should yeah. say
0: that because in the Usborne book there's just a little uh, section in here which I'll read out to you and the the author said researchers point out that conflicting opinions about ghosts can be a sign that they really do exist. If everyone had the same opinion, it would probably mean that they'd read the same book or newspaper report.
2: Hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I I think as much as we've talked about psychology on the show and how much people can be primed, Mm -hmm. um, having a a, a well-established list of uh, legends and like being told that when you go to a particular pub, you're going to see a particular thing, that, that seems like that's very much priming people to have a particular kind of experience. But what I find even more interesting is the discussion about uh, demonic influences and, and satanic influences in hauntings. As that's become more popular in television, mm-hmm. people are becoming more and more interested in, you know, having a priest and expecting it to be a dark and satanic or negative spiritual experience, uh, to, to encounter these things. And I, I, I think there, that that feedback loop goes not just with the details of the legend, but, but the very nature of what's happening, you know, uh, it's like, um, I, I don't know, it's not common when people are investigating ghosts to declare to everyone what your view of what ghosts are, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. you're looking for these experiences, but everybody contextualizes them based on their own belief systems, which I think is kind of what we've been talking. Oh, yeah,
0: and a about. lot of people often say oh, I was a skeptic yeah. until this happened and
2: Oh, sure, yeah. Exactly. And 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 but for one person to see, you know, a, a phantom or, or experience something moving or knocking, it might be, ah, it's the dead trying to communicate with us. And in another, it's a, a demon trying to influence us. And, you know, the, the, in it's another, it's a, it's a psychic emanation by the people here. Someone here is the focus, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a poltergeist. So there's so many different ways to interpret the, the phenomena. Um, and I, I just wonder, uh, when you're in a place like this where there's so many stories and they're being repeated so often in, in pop culture. I wonder how it's possible to even determine what's really going on if something is going on because everything is contaminated by these like preconceptions and stories. It's interesting, yeah. right?
3: And there are contemporary reports from the people who own these establishments where things like you know, in, in the pub a glass that's hung up will will move and it it's probably just the vibrations on on the wooden beam or what I you know, by a door slamming or a lorry going by. Oh you mean real vibrations? Yeah, yeah, not them. psychic ones. Yeah, <laughs> uh, actual vibrations. Uh, and, you know, but yeah, because the the place is just so it's just dripping with ghosts um, and ghost folklore that instantly a glass moving is a ghost and yeah so it just adds constantly to those those original stories.
0: But I think it's interesting too that a lot of these uh, more contemporary sightings are more interactive so you've got a poltergeist that's throwing things at you or you've got a, a demon that's that's doing things to you whereas if you look at the stories going back to when I was a kid so back in the, the 80s they're really just more sightings someone saw um a, the phantom coach and horses, or they saw the the white lady just floating past, or something like that. But it just seems like yeah. nowadays, possibly because of the influence of pop culture, that uh, these ghosts are more interactive. I think pop culture plays a huge role in it, and
3: especially as we mentioned, ghost hunting TV, where on those shows people just get attacked all of the time. And traditionally, ghosts were they they had a role in that they would give a warning. Um, or they would write a justice, you know, something have, they had been wronged in life, and they would they would write that justice or seek vengeance or something like that. Um, and so, you know, some ghosts at highway, uh, um, at crossroads, sorry, would be a warning that the, you know this, um a dangerous place or criminals beware. And uh, they would, like I said before, they would bury suicides at crossroads. And they would stake them through the heart and keep the stake pointing out of the ground as a warning to people not to take their own lives because it, it strayed them from God. And the idea that these crossroads were haunted were a warning that if you take your own life, your ghost, your spirit will wander forever. Um, and so that, that traditional role of ghosts has gone and now they're, they're just almost like these malevolent things that people seem to be generally terrified by. And And I do find that, when I do talk to people who have strange experiences, more often than not, I find myself having to reassure them that they're not in harm's way. Um, and I think, I think the television shows play a large role in that, but also the ghost hunting groups who go out to these places and they use really bad techniques and they don't really get positive hits, so they kind of ramp it up a bit so things do get a bit scarier and then they can start saying that was a ghost something's pushed me something's scratched me and right. then you know they they can go home at the end of the day um and they don't have to live in that environment um and so i i don't know i feel a bit like a grandma when i say this and i say you know kids these days they, they just they, back when i used to do ghost hunting um we didn't really do much of that but it, there does seem to be an element of of horror almost in, in modern ghost hunting. It's um, yeah. a bit weird.
0: The expectation that you're going to find something as well. You're going legend tripping. You want to recreate this yeah. phenomena and, and, uh, and you don't those, down.
3: Yeah, and there are ghost hunting teams out there who they're almost like, they almost cosplay as um, the, uh, the people on ghost hunting television shows. So they wear um almost like military clothing um and they have – You know, it's usually black clothing, and they've got the utility vests and and a big, heavy flashlight. And um, they, you know, the men are quite brave and and, um, confrontational, and the women in the ghost hunting groups tend to be the more spiritual um, person. So, I mean, there's that television show. um, I think it's Paranormal Lockdown, um, where they spend like seventy two hours at a location, and they we spoke about ghost stereotypes, but there are also these ghost hunting stereotypes too. And and the people who host that show are actual living, breathing examples of that in that the woman is the one who kind of communicates with the ghosts and feels that when the guy is there going, bring it on, bro, you know. And I think,
2: yeah, I was going to ask. I literally was going to ask you if you had like a Zach Baggins style thing of
3: come of at me, you know bro, like, so dude, run. run. <laughs> um, and
0: and I think when you
3: when you go ghost hunting, you do end up. And I remember doing this. You just sit in the dark for ages, and it's so boring. Um, and so now you can actually just play these characters, and you can, you know, any little knocking noise or a drop in temperature or you know, if your shirt moves on your back because it's settling or anything, it could be a ghost, and you get the see adrenaline going. And so I think that that desire to be like the people you see on television, in a way, it's kind of changed the way in which we talk about ghosts. And also, I think, a bit, it's changed the direction that um, modern ghost folklore is kind of going in. Yeah, absolutely. I
0: totally agree. You
2: know, and, and this... It, there's probably an opportunity there in all seriousness to, to turn that into a full blown ghost hunting game where you can LARP but, uh, use like an app to track your experience points and, <laughs> uh, you know, actually level up, yeah. and that sort of thing, earn achievements and badges. That's, that's probably a really good business opportunity beyond just doing ghost
0: and you've tours. just given that to someone else now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know what? It's because it's a great idea. Somebody ran with that, and uh, I'll sign up for that. <laughs> I want to be able to pay ninety nine cents and have no ads. Though, really.
0: <laughs> uh, well, we should probably uh, start winding this down. I think we're winding it up.
2: Well, yeah. So the bit, we, one of the things we have at the end here, uh, we were looking at the. I guess it was nineteen eighty nine. The Guinness Book of World yes. Records said that Pluckley was the most haunted village in mm-hmm. England. It's Britain. Um.
0: Yep. Yes, get Britain, it right. Britain, <laughs> not just <Sorry>. England.
2: <laughs> I, I I shouldn't say that. Right? No, no. But that includes several places. Um, I don't know if that includes. Does that include Canada? This is gonna
3: <laughs> not the United Commonwealth. No, Yeah, you're thinking <laughs> of <you're> the Commonwealth. <laughs> I watched
0: not, the not video.
2: Like, you know what? I'm gonna put a link to that video. Let me add that right now. Uh, video explaining UK, Britain, <laughs> and
0: England. Great,
3: yeah, Great Britain is so. <laughs> Scotland, England, and Wales at the moment. I might change, whereas Britain is just England and Wales.
2: It was in the Guinness Book of World Records, but it it wasn't, as near as I can tell, it didn't get usurped, it got removed. They stopped that that, that record from being part of the Yeah, they they say it's rested. Do you you, you know much about that? Yeah, whatever that means. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you know anything about why they dropped it as a category? Or is this, I can research that on my own I right later. I don't.
3: I actually did much. look for a specific reason, and I found some really weird records on their website. By the way, it's a really good like if you've got half an hour to kill, just go on the on the Guinness World Records website, and just look at the random records that people break. It's mad. Um, but I've got. There's a drinking game. <laughs> but I've got I've got a feeling that it's probably something to do with how difficult it is to substantiate that claim. But also the amount of contenders there are. So there are other, exactly. yeah, there are other places in the UK that claim to be the most haunted. One of them is um, Pressbury, um, which is near Cheltenham. I've been to Pressbury. Uh, it's really beautiful, really quiet. I, I think there were three of us walking around. Someone was giving us a. Uh, like an unofficial tour, because they're a local. And I don't think we saw one other person. <laughs> it's really, really weird. Um, so Pressbury says that it's the most haunted, and they, they've got, uh, an infamous, um, black monk who walks through the graveyard, and we actually stood in the graveyard, and actually, I really wanted him to walk through at that moment, but strangely, it didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. but there are, there are others too. York was actually given the title of the most haunted city in Europe. But that was by um, the Ghost Research Foundation International, Um, so they're a little bit biased. (laughs) Um, But I think Pluckley is the the most famous, most haunted place. Um, But anywhere you go in England or Great Britain, (laughs) uh, any county that you go to, any town, will have a Most Haunted pub or a Most Haunted Road, or a Crossroads, or something like that. Uh, in Wiltshire, the Most Haunted pub is said to be the Black Swan in Devizes, where I've, I've done a ghost hunt. Um, Yuri Geller has also been there. There's absolutely nothing there. The whole thing was allegedly made up for the tourist trade, but I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but, but anywhere you go, you have these Most Haunted claims. Um, so I suspect the record was just too contested. That's prob- probably what happened.
2: Yes. It could be. I, I did a very scientific study before this episode where I looked at, I guess the real arbiter of most haunted besides the Guinness Book would be like the 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 like tabloid. So <laughs> I, I looked and the Sun and the oh, Daily wow. Mail and the Telegraph all 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 reference Pluckley, but the Mirror says Brighton. Mm. So mm. Brighton
3: does have a reputation for being quite haunted. <laughs> um.
2: The Mirror doesn't even put uh, Pluckley on the top ten. Really? It's not even in the top ten. It's very, so it's very, I mean... Well,
3: the Mirror are definitely a trustworthy very...
0: source of information. So, Yeah. you know, of course. you can rely like on that. them. <laughs> well, it just seems like, I mean, it's just a a common thing nowadays to say that uh, uh, New Orleans is the most haunted city in America or I mean it's pretty much every city in the United States and so you hear the same thing in Great Britain too but it seems to me as though when I was a kid anyway that uh, that phrase wasn't really out there uh, or was only out there in reference to Pluckley Village. I was always hearing that that's the most haunted village in Britain and you really didn't hear it that, that frequently. It seems to be one of the first places to have uh, taken that title.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh. Oh, I got it. Uh, Zoinks! It's an app. It's like Yelp for ghosts.
0: So. <laughs> I, I think you need to create that <laughs> as quickly as possible before someone else so gets it.
2: with with Zoink, will everybody can just rate the ghost and stuff. So you can trust it because we crowdsource. <laughs> <right? laughs> <laughs>
3: But the, the thing about, um, and what you were saying about hearing as, as a child that Pluckley was the most haunted place, I think that has probably has a lot to do with the mass media and the way in which it's changed. So now we can just access the, the folklore or the ghost sightings from all over the world. Whereas previously, you know, we were kind of limited to books and television Mm -hmm. shows and so on. Um, but when you kind of look back at the history of anywhere, but especially of, in the UK, um, the kind of the ghost spectacle has always been present. There have always been kind of mass panics and, um, obviously one of the, the most well known was in London, which was the, um, the Cock Lane ghost. Um, and you know, that drew crowds in of, crowds of people in who wanted to see this, um, alleged poltergeist that was scratching at the walls in, in one of the the homes in Cock Lane in London. And that was a very early example of of almost like a tourist track in a way because the local landlords of that area made a great trade off the back of it and um, the local pickpockets, you know, had these huge crowds to to pickpockets from. Um, So I think it's always been the same. I just think the only thing that's changed is the technology we have and the way in which we share our stories. That makes it...
2: It does.
0: So,
2: I guess we should wind up you so I reminded Haley, and she's already been on the show before, but I, I don't recall what's your favorite monster.
0: Well,
3: I'm very so. inside I don't remember. might have changed.:
2: Well, I barely remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't have breakfast
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure because I came on your show in 2011. I can't believe it's been six years. Really That's, Oh couple so years ago. Yeah, it's unreal. Um but at the time I think my favorite monster was Bonessie. Um and it still is Bonessie. Huh. No, yeah. It's really? just changed. And
2: uh, what what is though <laughs> <always gives you? laughs> But
3: yeah, for the curious. People
2: people can go back. I I yeah, I enjoyed our discussion on Bonessie so we can put that the
0: link to that episode. Yeah, we'll have to have you on the show more frequently.
3: <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's been really fun to talk about um Buffy and I could just talk about ghosts yeah. all
0: day. Oh, I have day. to we love the topic.
3: You should get a podcast
0: you know, <laughs> I'm good <laughs> idea. <Zoinks. laughs>
3: I'll put a
2: link to your podcast okay, in the show notes sure. too.
0: That'd be wonderful, <laughs> thank you.
2: Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
0: And I'm Karen Stolsno.
2: You've just heard an interview with Haley Stevens about Pluckley, which is claimed in many publications to be the most haunted village in England. As we were preparing for the episode, Karen, Haley, and I corresponded about the story that the Guinness Book of World Records had once held that the little village was deserving of this title. I've found references to it being the most haunted village dating back to the early 1970s, but recently the claim that Guinness had confirmed it had become much more common, especially references to the 1989 edition of the book. Even Wikipedia's entry for Pluckley says this is true. One of their references on the Wikipedia entry is the 2008 article from The Telegraph by Francisca Hoyles. I quote, Ghost hunting is beginning to make me feel a bit shifty, so I head back to the Black Horse Pub, itself possibly the haunt of a mischievous poltergeist, where I decide resolutely not to ask about its phantoms. Over a Bloody Mary, I ponder what set of rules the Guinness Book of Records might have used to determine Pluckley's paranormal status. When I call them to find out, they can't tell me much about the criteria, but they do say that England's most haunted village category has been, quote, rested for some years now, end quote. Rested here means that they no longer monitor the category or recognize the record. When I ask why, I'm told it's because they try to make records more international nowadays, but I suspect it might also be because they try to make them at least a little bit empirically verifiable. I was excited to open my own copy of the 1989 World Records book to find the entry, and yet I felt more than a little foolish when I discovered there is no such entry. Undaunted? I went to Google Book Search and tried to find it there, but every online version of the book had no such entry. Every book that cited the World Records book had no particular issue referenced. I reached out to Guinness myself. Initially, I was told there was no such category. I'm not quoting directly because there was a confidentiality boilerplate attached to that correspondence, but I did follow up for a quotable response and got this. Every record verified by Guinness World Records must be measurable by a single superlative, verifiable, standardizable, breakable, and also present an element of skill. In this case, it is difficult to standardize and verify something being haunted. It appears that the record was monitored in the past, but has since been rested for the reasons listed above. So while I agree with the summary and see how it comports with the Telegraph article, I can't help but note that there would never have been a point in the past when it could be standardized based on anything but hearsay. Because of that, and because of my inability to find any digital reference or printed reference to a specific issue or page so far, I am extremely skeptical that such an entry exists in any edition of the Guinness Book of World Records. I've reached out to Guinness for a more specific answer in regards to when this particular record was to have been posted. To be honest, I don't think I'm going to get one because I don't think it ever existed. I'll follow up if I hear otherwise, but for now, I'm of the opinion that Pluckley never held the world record for Most Haunted Village in England within the pages of any Guinness Book of World Records. It would make an interesting bar bet, though, don't you think?
3: Monster dog.
2: I heard back from Guinness just after this episode went live and I wanted to post an update. According to their records department, the 1989 edition did include an entry for Pluckley. I was not able to find it in my 1989 copy, but using the text they provided me, I was able to find an online reference in the 1990 edition, and I'm going to add that to the show notes. The entry is under Physiology and Anatomy. Here is that text. Most Haunted Village? Pluckley in Kent is generally thought to be the most haunted village in England, boasting at least 12 spiritus inhabitants. These include both a white and a red lady at St. Nicholas Church, and a highwayman at Fright Corner, a screaming man at the Brickworks, and a spectral coach and horses at various locations. Both pubs cater for more than one kind of spirit. Dancing round the devil's bush three times is supposed to guarantee the personal appearance of its namesake, provided the dancer is naked, of course. So I'm glad to see the entry existed, but as you can hear from that text, this is more about a village's folklore than about a testable case of quantifiably more hauntings. It lacks the precision of the other entries on the page. Check out the show notes for a full view of this entry. I'm, I'm delighted to find this correction so quickly and appreciate the good folks at Guinness for helping me run down the facts. And of course, I'm disappointed to be wrong, but admitting you're wrong and moving on is absolutely imperative for the advancement of science or of science shows about monsters.
3: Monster Talk
2: Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of myself and my guests, and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the best in monster related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. There we have links to our Patreon pages as well as a donation button. A great way to support the show is to buy us books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle, and we can share our digital library with each other. Finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. A special thanks to listener Hal Prentice who's kindly donated three new transcripts of classic episodes. Those should be online soon for our Giants, Batboy, and Mothman episodes. And he's got me fired up about revitalizing that project. And thanks again for all the Patreon support. It's because of your contributions that I will be able to attend CryptidCon in Kentucky this September. Karen and I really deeply appreciate your helping us out, and thanks again for the positive reviews on iTunes. You're keeping Monster Talk consistently in the Top Natural Sciences podcast list when you take the time to rate and review the show. Two final things. Friend of the show, Carrie Poppy of the Oh No with Ross and Carrie podcast has a new TEDx talk that she did on her real-life experience with a haunting. That's in the show notes at monstertalk.org. And also a reminder about Karen's new short story being available on the Kindle for 99 cents. Thanks to everyone who's already checked that out. It's another great way to support the show and be entertained. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thanks again for listening.
1: stay abreast of the latest from Skeptic Magazine and the Skeptic Society? Want cutting-edge skeptical articles delivered straight to your inbox every week? Then subscribe to eSkeptic, the free electronic newsletter of the Skeptic Society. Visit skeptic.com to sign up. Want to stay abreast of the latest from Skeptic Magazine and the Skeptic Society? Want cutting-edge skeptical articles delivered straight to your inbox every week? Then subscribe to eSkeptic, the free electronic newsletter of the Skeptic Society. Visit skeptic.com to sign up.